Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome to a new episode of TV Gold. We're going to start off with a new Australian TV movie coming to Network 10 just in a few days' time after we record this. Plus, we'll be looking at a second season of Minx and a new Taylor Sheridan series also going to the Paramount family. It'll be on Paramount+. Plus. But Andrew Mercado, welcome back. Um, this little Australian TV movie's crept into the schedule without too much warning. Yeah, and it's a bit of a mouthful to say. <laughs> the Appleton Ladies Potato Race. So it's a one-off telly movie, Australian telly movie, set in the small town of Appleton. Um, quick plot synopsis. Uh, Dr. Penny, who grew up in the town and left and moved to the city, comes back to the town to work in the local GP's office and sort of notices for the first time that the uh, show that the town has in which uh, the men and the women have these races where they run around the field, the town oval, with 50 kilogram sacks of potatoes around their necks because this is a potato growing town. She discovers that the prize money for the men is $2,000, but for the women, it's only $200. And so she decides that there should be some gender parity in this prize money. And it causes major ructions in the town. And it's it's very interesting, this telemovie, James, because on, on I think on one level it comes across as uh, something that's almost a bit twee, which is, you know, this kind of female skewing movie. But, you know, under the surface there, uh, and there isn't really enough time in the story to develop this, but there's actually some really um serious stuff going on there. And I think there's some interesting stuff being said about the relationship uh, between sisters. And I think there's also some observations it's making about a certain type of man who lives in regional Australia. Uh, but it's all sort of packaged up as this kind of lovely kind of battle of the sexist things. But, you know, I feel like there's something more going on. What did you think, James? I got to say this was this was this was almost a surprise package of the year for me. I mean, I just you alerted me to this. I didn't know it was coming. Um, I thought, yeah, look, you told me the day before we record this. I thought, look, I better pop it on, have a look, and it just blew me away. It, it's it's a it's a sort of it's a gentle, it's a low budget, but they've yep. achieved so much. I I figure with this. I mean, can we talk about the cast briefly? Why aren't these people doing a whole lot more oh, on our screens? Yeah. Claire Vanderboom as Penny, I thought was a real revelation. She was was just wonderful. The what the warmth and the engagement she brought to that role. And and what about Katie Wall as assistant, Nikki? Oh, sensational. Why isn't she making more shows? Oh absolutely. Huh? I mean, she was brilliant. I mean, I remember her back from um Puberty Blues. Yeah, yeah. A few years so, ago. Yeah, I, I agree with you a thousand percent, James. And uh, Robin Nevin, great to see her back on screen. Um, Tyrell Moore is in this um, as Bob. Um, uh, he's just wonderful. It's great to see him still acting as well. 
Yeah, Genevieve Lemon, um, who's fantastic in everything she does. I mean, that kind of comedy act that she's doing with Robin Nevin as the the two ladies that run are on the committee of the Appleton show is so great. But I also want to call out uh, two of the performances, uh, Rowan Nickel as uh, the husband, the, the pot-smoking husband who's clearly <laughs> depressed, um, and his brother Gavin as played by Andy Ryan and Robin Nevin plays their their mother and there's this scene where you know she sort of cooks the food for them and they're sitting in front of the TV and she puts the plates in front of them and she goes off and sits at the dining table by herself to eat TV and the two grown men are fighting like little boys. I mean, these men are such mummies boys and such hopeless losers in there but you know there's 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 something going on there's such anger in Andy Ryan you know his character is the one that stands up and really takes personal offense that women should be paid the same prize money as men and he's so angry about it and there's this speech this uh where he sort of loses it in the pub and and says to Penny you know what yeah Lezo take your your bloody a BC lefty homo shit back to the city. And that that line of dialogue really got me. It's like, wow, there really are men like you in regional Australia that just are refusing to move with the times. And I thought it was really interesting, James, because this is written by Melanie Tate, and this was written first as a play. And something else that Melanie Tate does as a side hustle is she does the podcast about a country practice called A Country Podcast. Uh-huh. She's a massive fan of that show. And I think you can really see that in the writing of this show. You know, in some ways, this almost felt to me like, could this be a pilot? Because, you know, there is no TV show on Australian TV at the moment about a country town. And we've always, always had one. And they've always been successful. If you go back to the early days of TV, it was Bellbird. It was uh, the cop show set in the bush, Matlock Police. And then we moved into a country practice. And then the cop show morphed into Blue Healers. And then we had McLeod's Daughters. And then we had Dr. Doctor. All of those shows have been hugely, hugely, hugely successful. There is a market here in Australia to watch shows that are set in regional Australia. And there was something about Appleton and some of the undercurrents that were going on with those male characters and that jealous vibe between the sisters. I thought, wow, there's so much in this that could be developed into more movies like this or uh, a longer-running series. I just thought the potential for it was amazing. Yeah, look, I'm with you 100% on this. The, the This sort of um, the IP here could be exploited in so many different ways. Yeah. I, I certainly hope they do it. One thing to note is that um, Ten's running this at 7.30 on a Wednesday night. To me, it's sort of them maybe testing the water with running mm. some drama, replacing drama with reality TV. I mean, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't we love to see that? Oh, the schedules should certainly be a mix of at least yeah, reality some nights and let's put some drama on earlier and um, really promote good Aussie productions. 
and and this is certainly one of them. Yeah, you mentioned Melanie Tate. What a great job she does. She wrote the play for this. Um, she did the screenplay, and it's just brilliant. I mean, you watch it, you just – I was chuckling along so much. I mean, yeah. there's just so many great lines. Uh, it's just really wonderful. The, um, the thing that really piqued my interest was I uh, – a friend of mine, um, Andrea Keir, who used to be the head of publicity at Nine back when I started med- at Media Week so 23 years ago, and um, she subsequently left Nine. She went to LA where she was living for 16 years, and she did a bit of film production work there. She uh, made a movie for with Angelina Jolie. Um, she did some TV work. I think she was um, – and work for some networks back here in Australia from over there. But she has moved back to Sydney and she said, look, when she got back here, she was a bit homesick and she really wanted to make a, a sort of a, a good Aussie feel movie. And she certainly um, hit the jackpot with this. Yeah, and the other really interesting executive producer name uh, that you pointed out to me on the credits uh, is Sky Leckie, uh, the wife of David Leckie, who, you know, was one of the, we call him one of the titans of the industry, you know, ran Channel 9 for a while, ran Channel 7 for a while. And, you know, I wondered if, um, I don't know what Sky Leckie's connection to this is, but um, I think that she has a home down in the Southern Highlands. So I would presume that uh, she knows small towns like this and some of uh, the disputes that uh, come up between uh, the city slickers and uh, some of the the true blue died in the walls conservators in some of these small towns, which is, which is a feature of this show. Yeah, look, I've had a quick chat to Andrea about this, and she said, yeah, um, Sky lives down there, and she was one of several locals who were also investors in the project. So that that was great to see, though. I think they got some funding from the screen bodies as well. Um, And, gee, it really makes the Southern Highlands sing in this this movie that's uh, shot around Robertson, uh, Bundanoon Main Street um, is where the the sort of shopping centre is set, and there's also the the wonderful pub at Burrowang, uh, yeah. also also features. So it's great. I mean, they did this. Can you believe it? In 23 days, wow! They shot, they shot this movie, so they just did a really good job. And Andrea said, "Look, the she went to pitch it to um, Paramount was the first place she went. They saw it and thought this is brilliant. We'll take it. So you know it." They, they obviously recognise something straight away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I also think it's uh, it's very interesting, this screening at, at 7.30pm, because we know um, that all the networks screen their reality tent poles at 7.30, yeah. and we know that when those shows finish, a lot of people who are watching those shows switch off free-to-air TV and go to streaming services to look for other options. And, you know, Australian drama has sort of been pushed out of that 7.30 slot by the networks who've deemed it less important than their reality shows. And, you know, I think we see the figures 
shows are reflected for that with the dramas that start at 8.30 and after, that they're competing with people who are switching off free-to-air TV. So, yeah, I really, really hope uh, that this does well for 10 in a 7.30 slot. I mean, we saw this a couple of weeks ago with Warney, which started on Sunday night on 9 at 7 p.m., and then part two was at 7.30. But, you know, the rating figures for that weren't real great, but I don't think that had anything to do with the time slot. I think the audience could sniff that that was a cynical sort of cash in on Shane Warne and I thought I think they the audience had sniffed out that that was a dog and they just simply weren't interested in watching it so uh, I really hope that now that we're doing the experiment for the second time that um, this production the Appleton Appleton Ladies Potato Race which screens at 7.30pm on Wednesday and then I presume will be available to watch on 10 play with ads or if you're a subscriber to Paramount Plus you'll be able to watch the whole thing with no ads yeah, yeah. So watch out for that. That's um coming next week. Um okay, let's move along. Let's talk about the second season of Minx, something we both enjoyed uh the first time around. Yeah, now this is uh hugely controversial now because you know, it's funny, isn't it? You know, everyone sort of is up on entertainment news and episodes and, and, and news. And, you know, I mentioned it to someone that doesn't have a huge interest in TV. And she said, Oh, that's that show that got cancelled and all of that. And I was like, wow, how do you know that? <laughs> but yeah, that this has really cast a whole, uh, cast a shadow on this. Minx was a show. The first season came along. It was about a, uh, a female journalist who considered herself a feminist who started a magazine not dissimilar to the real life magazine Plague girl with a full frontal male centerfold in it um and it was being run out of a you know a kind of a, a almost sleazy uh magazine doing a lot of kind of porn titles in the san fernando valley and when they were in the middle of shooting their second series hbo max announced that they were cancelling the show now this is just this is so damaging to a show when you know news gets leaked that you're being cancelled halfway through production most people are going to assume well that the show's shit and there's something going wrong but tell me if you agree with me james it feels to me like minx got caught up in some corporate political battle between all of these streaming companies all of which aren't going to survive and we're seeing them start to join forces now and that this is one of those shows that sort of got caught up in that and since then it's been picked up by stars with a z in the us it continues Minx continues to screen here in Australia on Stan when it starts uh, Series 2 drops on, on Friday. But over in the US, it's now on Stars. They're saying this is a great show for our network. We're supportive of it. I've watched all eight episodes of the, the second season of Minx. Wow. I still love it. I still think it's got a lot of great things to say. And I'd like to think that there's more coming down the line. But how do you overcome that perception that's out there in the marketplace that you got cancelled? halfway through production of your second series. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm with you. Look, I, I do love this second season as much as I loved the first one. I'm not sure if a cancellation is if the audience cared too much about that sort of stuff. I mean, for me, I like a show. I don't really care what the network thinks about it, you know. If, um, and I've heard um, 
Jake Johnson, who plays Doug, the the wonderful um, sort of low rent publisher, if you like, yeah, but who who sort of virtually got the magazine off the ground in the first season, um, heard him talk about that cancellation, and he says, "Look, our numbers were great. Yeah, we, we knew we had big audiences." You know, and so it's great that we've been able to move the show across to another platform. So yeah, I just don't think the fans will will um will care that much, you know. And if it if anything, it just gives a maybe more publicity than it would have got otherwise. And people might go and see. I wonder what what all the fuss was about, and and sample the show. Well, I haven't met anybody who watched the first series of Minx who didn't uh, like it. Everyone went, yeah, I love that. And I think they'll all be watching the second series. So if they all come back, I mean, stars would, uh, and the numbers are still good. We might get a third season because it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, it's interesting because, you know, this is about a fictional magazine operating in the seventies, but they're weaving in a lot of, uh, real life people and real life events. Um, I mean, you can see there that they toy with the idea of what Playboy magazine did with uh, exclusive nightclubs. Right. Um, and you can also see the other really interesting storyline that kicks into high gear as it goes along is, you know, the uh, photographer who's shooting the male centerfolds who's gay wants to do a shoot at a gay bathhouse. And, you know, they're really against that because they're, they're, they're grappling with the fact that if there's a magazine, and this would have been something I reckon that Playgirl went through in real life. If you're going to put a magazine out with naked men aimed at women, women are going to buy it. But guess what? Gay men are going to buy it too. And there's that pushback where, you know, some people go, but this is a magazine for women. We don't want to court the gay market. Um, and I mean, the special guest star this season, the fabulous Elizabeth Perkins, yeah. who plays this uh, rich woman, uh, a rich investor who takes over. And like, seriously, Elizabeth Perkins is like Joan Collins. You can add her to any show and it makes the show better just with that person in there. Um, and she just brings that sort of haughty uh, character that she's so great at playing um, and takes Minx to, into this whole new area. Yeah, look, I, I really like the, the storyline in this one. It starts off because, yeah, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the cliffhanger at the end of last season was that the relationship between um, Joyce, the sort of editor and the creative force, and the, the low-rent publisher was sort of blew up and she was wondering uh, what how she was going to go forward. She didn't really want to work with him anymore. Season two starts with her being wooed by some really big New York-based publishers, I think, Hearst, yeah. Condé Nast. She's in their boardrooms and they realise what a hot product she got has got and they want to get Minx into their stable. And um, and Elizabeth Perkins comes along as a sort of a, a, um, a wild card, if you like, and that so she has to make that decision in those early episodes of uh, how will the magazine continue. So I, I really loved that. And as someone who used to make a living in magazines, it was enjoyable recalling the days when magazines were a big deal. 
Well, I mean, the wild card is that Elizabeth Perkins is a woman that wants to invest yeah. in this magazine. And I think it's very telling in those scenes that no matter where, where Joyce goes to, whether it's Condé Nast or what, whatever the magazine company is, there's all these men sitting around <laughs> going, this is what we want to do with your feminist, you know, and she, she literally doesn't see a single female on any board or any, you know, interview process. It's just a whole bunch of men that want to, you know, lure her in with, oh, we'll give you a car phone it's this new thing you carry a phone around in a suitcase uh but but none of them are speaking her language um, um and that's why elizabeth perkins uh comes off as you know uh, such an interesting choice but you know what about the supporting cast in this yeah. show what about lennon Parham um, playing her older sister Shelley, who's on a voyage uh, of self-discovery sexually with her husband Lenny, the dentist, played by Rich <laughs> Sommer from Mad Men, and they they get up to all sorts of mischief in this. And then you've got Bambi, who was a centerfold at the magazines, who's wanting to better herself. Jessica Lowe playing that. What an incredible performance that is. And then you know. It's just, oh, it's just so. There are so many great supporting characters in this show. I just really love them all. I love Richie. I love Trish, Doug's, you know, girlfriend um, who takes him home to meet her uh, black American family, and they are not thrilled that she has a white pornographer boyfriend. I mean, there's just so many great subplots in this second series. And you mentioned the photographer. Is that that's Oscar Montoya? I think he's yeah. a, he's a bit of a scene stealer. Whenever he shows up, he has some great lines. Yeah, and, and um, sorry, it's Tina. Tina is um, the girlfriend of Doug, as played by Idara Victor. Sorry, I said Trish. I got the name wrong. Okay, and the wonderfully named Ophelia Lucy Loverbond as, <laughs> as Joyce. I mean, yeah. I didn't realise she was actually an English actress. Wow, I, I didn't realise that either. I, I heard an interview with her and she's got this thick English accent and I thought, oh, wow, you, you'd never know. She does such a great job as as playing that sort of a, a sassy American uh, magazine editor. Yeah, and wait till we get to the episode, James, which is all about um, her being interviewed for Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> and uh, Annie Leibovitz is uh, the photographer and she's not Annie Leibovitz yet, so it's sort of like, you know, she, she's just this, my, this is this throwaway line, oh, this is the photographer, somebody Leibovitz, and you're like, wow, I know exactly what's going on here. It's just so great. Oh, wonderful! Because look, I'm I'm holding up what I'm reading at the moment. That's the um, Sticky Fingers, the Life and Times of uh, Yarn Winner and Rolling Stone magazine. Wow! I've just been reading all about Annie Leibovitz, so I can't wait to get yeah. to that episode. So that's yeah. certainly on my watch list week, this weekend. Okay, so that's Minx, the second season, uh, eight episodes that will be dropping weekly on Stan. Let's finish off this week with a a new series. From um, from Taylor Sheridan, of course, the the person who's been probably one of the big successful producers of the last couple of years in uh, US TV, with starting off with Yellowstone, of course. But this is something a little bit different from him. It's um, female strong female leads um, in a sort of it's almost a war movie. It's a spy thriller, but it's in very much in a war setting, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's very much set in the Middle East somewhere with missions in, you know, Afghanistan or one of those countries like that. It starts off with uh, something that goes wrong um, and the consequences of that, which lead to uh, the character played by Zoe Saldana being called back to Washington or wherever head office is and being grilled by um, her boss, as played by Nicole Kidman. I mean, just <laughs> casting. Wow. How did they get Nicole Kidman into something like this? Um, but uh, then there's this other story that's going on with uh, a Latino woman called Cruz, as played by Laisla de Oliveria. And she is basically in this uh, awful relationship with this man. He's, um, they get into a, a physical fight. He's chasing her down the street and she runs into a Marine's office uh, to in seeking refuge. And the next thing she joins the Marines and the next thing she's being sent over to the Middle East to be sent on this mission. And at that point, I was just like going, are you kidding me? Talk about suspension of disbelief. This is the person that has, has she's been in the Marines for five minutes. And the next minute, she's on this hugely important undercover covert mission. I'm sorry, James, I did not buy it. You know, I, I bought in. I mean, there's, I think there's going to be eight episodes. They're releasing two um, the weekend after we record this. It starts on Paramount Plus. The there was only one episode to preview, right. and um, but I really enjoyed it. I it didn't worry me that um, that jumps in disbelief. I mean, this is a spy thriller in the Middle East. I mean, you know, it's I'm not expecting you know too much sort of I don't know reality or whatever. I, you know, it's like going to a Mission Impossible film. Oh. <laughs> Jumps off a mountain in a parachute, lands on a train. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, so that that didn't really worry me. Um, I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. But I just love that that opening, that sort of story of this this woman that's you know by circumstances has ended up joining the Marines as she sees it a way out of of this terrible life she's got herself into. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I I just thought it was you know it was um really positive and and I thought it was good. I mean, yeah, there was a but I think there was time jumps, I think. She'd been in the Marines for a while and they'd realized her ability during her training. I think right. and that's why they quick quickly promoted her. Um but I liked it. Zoe Saldana's great as are Joe, the sort of the the leader of this sort of special ops team. Nicole Kidman hardly in that first episode, she plays yeah. her boss. But I've seen a couple of stills from elsewhere in the series, and I would assume uh, Nicole Kidman has a bit bigger role to come. Uh, Morgan Freeman's also in it, and one of my favourites, Michael Kelly. I thought you'd say that, yeah. <laughs> is um, also one of the heads of this sort of CIA um Op, um, department, if you like, that that looks after these sort of um, spies, sends them into the Middle East, and um, he, he, of course, has been Jack Ryan recently, but yes. most famously as Doug Stamper in House of Cards. 
Yep, and I also noticed Dave Annabelle in this from uh, Brothers and Sisters. But okay. also really interesting when you look at the IMDb at what's coming up, uh, a guy called Sam Asgari. Now, I'm pretty sure that he was involved with Britney Spears in some point. Okay. He was her bodyguard or boyfriend. I don't keep up with Britney Spears' tabloid <laughs> life. But, if you know, he's in a music video for Britney Spears if you go through his so I'm, I'm, you know, when I, I see that name, I think Britney Spears, um, and he's uh, in this playing uh, a few roles as well. Yep. Okay. In a few episodes. I mean, one role in a few episodes. Yeah. I mean, it's a very polished production. It looks great on screen. Um, so they've obviously spent a lot of money on this. So, you know, if um, it, it could be worth if you're sort of into sort of spy thrillers and an interesting one Nicole Kidman's been doing recently, and you like the other work of um, Taylor Sheridan, um, you'll probably want to check this out. And I, I don't think you'd be disappointed if you're a maybe a fan of Yellowstone. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, I had to, when you were saying to me it's Taylor Sheridan, I was like, who's Taylor Sheridan? I was thinking of Taylor Schilling, the actress from Orange is in the, is the New Black. And then I like Googled it last night as I started watching, went, oh, yeah, because, you know, I just, I saw his movie, Hell or High Water. I love that film, but I haven't watched Yellowstone. I'm not into Westerns. I'm, you know, it's just not my genre. I'm not into these no. really, um, macho sort of shows i'm not into war genres or westerns and all that and and this clearly is uh what sheridan taylor is known for and, and clearly he's very good at it um because all the shows are uh hugely popular and he's prolific i mean how he's spitting out all these shows he's like the straight ryan murphy you know <laughs> you turn around he's got another show yeah, fantastic. And just too, and you I mean you when you say macho, you're right, but it's interesting the women are the macho characters in this, if you like, yeah. very much. Yeah. Okay, special ops lioness. Originally it was just called Lioness. They've had added special ops to the title before its release up on Paramount Plus. Look, that um wraps us up this week just about the um show of the week. What what are you going to go for? Uh, well, before I do that, I just want to remind people that John Farnham, Finding the Voice, uh, just after its cinema release, will be screening on 7 on Monday night. And there's a new series of War on Waste on the ABC on Tuesday night with Craig Rucastle. I'm a huge fan of that show. My show of the week, it's got to be the Appleton Ladies Potato Race. I thought it was great. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll be with you on that one. The Appleton Ladies Potato Race gets the vote from me as well. Just look, a, a real little surprise. It's sort of slipped in under the radar very much for me, and it was um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So very good. A couple of things for me to end on. I'm really looking forward to the second season of The Bear, which has just dropped on Disney+. Plus. I've had a yes. quick sneak peek, and they've... They've really, um, we might talk about it next week. We won't. Okay. No spoilers here, but it goes in a slightly different direction, um, this series, and it, it looks wonderful. And the Mission Impossible, there's a, um, it's Dead Reckoning Part One's the new movie. And I'm, this is getting some great reviews from people I wouldn't have normally expected to be into an action movie like this. And it's made me reevaluate the, um, franchise maybe. And, it's popped up on um, Paramount Plus as a twenty-minute short about oh, yeah. filming this, this, the the uh, movie and going behind some of the stunts they did, and I, I found it fascinating. 
and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie now. Well, it's a big weekend at the cinemas. You could go to Mission Impossible or you could go to the new Christopher Nolan movie, Oppenheimer, or you could go see Barbie with Margot Robbie. I'm going to the drive-in to see Barbie on Saturday night, the Head and Greta drive-in, which was about to close but got a stay of execution for another 12 months. I'm pretty sure they're going to knock it down and build houses because drive-ins can't afford the land tax anymore. So I'm racing off to the drive-in in the middle of winter with my cousins who are all going to be decked out in pink and I'm going to be, I won't be wearing pink, I'll be wearing every layer of clothing imaginable to sit outside uh, under the stars and watch Barbie with a whole bunch of little girls uh, who hopefully are going to love it. I, I think the buzz about Barbie is just incredible. I've got, I've got to see it to know what's going on. Yeah, it's certainly been getting some great publicity. So they've done a wonderful marketing job on it, haven't they? Sure have. Okay, look, that's been um, TV Gold. You can get in touch with us if you've got any thoughts, comments, criticisms, praise, whatever you want to drop. Uh, send an email to comments at tvgold.au. You can read Andrew's column every Friday in uh, at mediaweek.com.au, also in the Media Week Morning Report email, which you can subscribe to by punching your email address into the box on our homepage. Andrew, uh, any thoughts yet about this week's subject? Uh, yeah, I'll probably write some more about the Appleton ladies' potato race. I, I think I think I'll talk about the fact that you know TV shows about the Australian country town have always been popular, and it's you know we don't have one at the moment, and that, that that's an opening that needs to be filled. We can't just keep making shows about the cities all the time. You know, half the people you know there's this huge audience out there who will watch anything set in an Australian country town. So come on. It's time. Fantastic. All right, Andrew, we'll speak to you again in a week. Thanks, James. Have a great week.